Welcome back to another edition of the official Jets podcast here in the PlayMGM studios. You can find us on NewYorkJets.com, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Brian Baldinger in the house. Thank you very much, Baldy. Nice, nice to be here. Nice to be here Rocking with you guys. The t-shirt, the Baldy's breakdown. Baldy's breakdowns right here. Uh, it's a movement. It's a worldwide movement. It is a movement. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. How, how can other people wear? The merch that Baldy is. Well, I mean, you can you can get yourself today. you can get yourself uh, you know T-shirts and headbands and coffee mugs right from Karsten Creations. Coffee mugs. Yeah, I mean, some people like they just they just want to decorate their desk. I, I love the headbands. Yeah, I, yeah I'm, the with, headband. I'm with you. I like the headbands too. All right, Baldy. So you go inside the film, inside mm-hmm. the game. I want to go inside the breakdown. Yeah. So can you take us through your routine of how you watch the games and what plays you choose to put out there? If I can get to NFL films on Sunday night, I'll start Sunday night. But if, I, if I'm traveling back from San Francisco or L.A. or wherever, mm-hmm. might not be till Monday morning. But I start Monday morning at around 6 in the morning. I just start going through games, Ethan. I just start watching games. What jumps out? I don't really to look at statistics. I might know the final score, but I don't even look at the stats. I just want to see who played well, mm-hmm. why plays worked, why they didn't work. What impresses me about a team or doesn't impress me about a team? I'm just going to get a feel by watching uh, 11 guys unite on one side of the ball, how they compete, who's playing hard, who keeps showing up, and then kind of going from there. And that, that's kind of how I do it. And I, I'll start making some notes about a particular team, what I like, what I don't like. And, uh, and I literally try to go through as many games as I can all day Monday and all day Tuesday. I think what fans really appreciate here at Greens is this guy – it's so much enthusiasm and passion for yeah. the game. You truly enjoy getting into the yeah. film room because I don't even know if everybody knows this, that on Sundays you're typically doing national radio. Yeah, I do national games every Sunday. I do college games on Saturday. Right. So so Monday morning you start up. How do you determine the order you're going to go through? Well, I, like, for instance, Kansas City played Baltimore right. last week. A lot of people would say that was a marquee matchup. Maybe you go there first. Well, I mean, so I fell in love Last year with Quentin Nelson, mm-hmm. the left guard from the Indianapolis Colts. Sure. I thought he was the best player in the NFL last year. So I, wow, it, it, that's big news. At any position. Like, he was just that dominant. Yeah. And as a 22-year-old rookie. But, you know, and I got to know him, you know, at the Pro Bowl this year. And so, like, it started almost like that. Like, oh, I got I to gotta watch the Colts. I got to watch <laughs> I gotta watch the left guard. Because like, he was, like, pancaking players. So then, you know, I was having fun. It's, it's, it's entertainment, right? So I'm talking about, man, all I want is some flapjacks for breakfast on Monday morning. I got to watch Q to get my pancakes, you know? And, <laughs> and then people, the fans started kind of buying. So then, like, it became like this thing. I got to watch Q, you know? And then I live in Philadelphia. What are the Eagles doing? When are they losing? How are they doing it? And so th- there is a little bit of a pecking order. Mm-hmm. But it could be, like, th- there's certain teams right now that I just am so, like, watching, let's say, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Like, you have to watch it because are we watching, like, Willie Mays as a 23-year-old kid? Are we watching the best player in the league this early? You know, are we watching – you know, who are we watching here? Like, there's nobody else that you – there's no comps of what he's doing. And it's every week. It doesn't matter what the teams do. So, then you go – and, you know, I, I did three years of Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech. I did a lot of his games down there. So, I, I kind of knew him. And now to see him just flourish like this. It's just so darn entertaining. When did you decide to take this to social media with hashtag Baldy's Breakdowns? Because five years ago, I don't, I don't no, think it wasn't. this phenomena was around. So 
I like you know I've been announcing games at Fox for 12 years on television. I, I, I started doing radio 10 years ago, so almost 25 years as an analyst every Sunday. And you know I'm I'm up there in the booth. If you're doing TV, you have maybe 12 seconds to describe a play, right? And typically it's either the quarterback or the receiver or the defensive back. It's not a whole lot. Maybe you can watch the offensive line on a replay or something. But like there's just so many things going on, and so. Then you listen to the analysis and, or the reporters or read the papers the next day. And I just felt like there was a big missing chunk of what fans weren't getting. So I just thought, so I'd, I'd be watching these games, you know, five o'clock in the morning, getting ready for different shows, the NFL network. And I'm like, I'm not going to be able to show, I don't know, Jamal Adams blowing up this play. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to show, uh, you know, how Coletio assembly pulled and led Levy and Bell through the hole. I'm not going to be able to, so I thought people need to see a lot of players that they never hear about on Sunday. Do you enjoy the players' reaction to this? Because once it started getting popular and taking off, the guys, this new generation, Green's generation, <laughs> who live and die by social media, they follow the stuff. You're right. They see all the retweets. And then you have picked up so much respect. From the younger dudes in the NFL, I remember last year yeah. vividly, we're in Chicago, you're calling the game, you're like, where's Jamal? i got to find Jamal. Yeah. Yeah. Because he would take a look at the way you broke It's down. unbelievable. So so I, I was told by a pretty prominent Fox director a long time ago when I first started, he told me, look, get to know the top 10 players in every team because that's who you're going to spend most of Sunday talking about. And he was right. So I, you know, I always went to training camps and – you know, got to meet players when you could, but you, that was still limited by how many players you could meet. But through social media and through Twitter and some of the outlets that Baldy Breakdowns are on, you can meet a lot of these players that you've never met. Like, I'd never met Jamal Adams until that day in Chicago. Now I feel like we're best friends. <laughs> he did film sessions with this issue. We couldn't kick him out of the room. He didn't want to leave. But you do, when you show players, especially ones that maybe like a Quentin Nelson, who aren't, left guards aren't, on everybody's Rolodex as to who to watch. But if you can start making people watch the left guard and why he's so good, like you, you sort of grow somebody's intelligence about the game and how they watch a game. And so, and the players appreciate it. They really do. And if you look, if I say something about Luke Keekley, good or bad within, I'm 10, I'm telling you 10 minutes, he's already watched it and retweeted and commented. I, I think a lot of people respect somebody saying, I know what I know, and I also know what I don't know. I think there are a lot of people who watch the game on Sundays and say, this guy should have done this, this guy should have done that. You go into the lab, and you are a former player. You understand the schemes. You understand the concepts. You understand how coordinators are trying to attack and what is happening out there on the field in great detail. So I think that resonates with every player in the national football. I second league. that. Yeah. You yeah, know, I mean, um, the game is, is moves really fast, and there's a lot of moving parts. And if you're just watching a game on television, the cart camera, the, the camera that typically shows a play, usually just follows the quarterback. So if you're a safety in the NFL, you only get talked about if you get beat or you have a great hit. But the majority of the time, you're not even watched. Now, that's just the way the game is shot. But if you you have to go back in the lab, I like the lab, and, <laughs> and really show 
angles, why a free safety like Earl Thomas, why that guy covers so much ground, why like Earl Thomas doesn't save lives, but he saves touchdowns. I mean, you know, like all the, you, so like, then you just, you know, we're in the entertainment business, right, Eric? So like, you just, you have to kind of define fun ways to describe stuff over and over. So that just comes naturally to me. You know, and, it's fun. And, and when you put stuff on Twitter, let's say, is it a one take for you? Because some of the things you say, you have me rolling on the floor in yeah. tears. Like I remember last year, you're talking about Jamal Abram, yeah. Adams. I almost said Abrams. Jamal Adams striking like a Cobra is like, some people need a cup of coffee in the morning. Not this guy. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. And all this time you have me cracking up. And just before you're talking about Quentin Nelson, how you need your flapjacks yeah. and you pop on film. Yeah. I mean, this stuff just comes, I mean, you know, some weeks Quentin Nelson was a plumber, right? Like he had the plumber look, he was just fixing leaks wherever the offense line was leaking. He was just there to plug it, you know? And then some weeks he was the trash man. He was just throwing defensive linemen into the trash compactor. I mean, you know, like, it's a different way of describing kind of the same mm-hmm. type stuff. But I think players are entertained by it. Like, they, they, like, I've, these players come up to me now. Right. They know, like, I, I met Jadevian Clowney for the first time um, two weeks ago in Pittsburgh. Uh, he was, he's with Seattle now. Seattle, Pittsburgh. And, you know, and there was a time last year where, like, le- legitimately, for the first 12 or 13 weeks of the season, he was an MVP candidate of the league defensively. He was playing at that level. And I was just going like, like this guy was just ruining the party. Like he was just a wedding crasher, like, like every play. And so like, I'm standing there and I, you know, he's coaches working with him. He's new to the team and all that. So he sees me though. I'm in a suit and he goes, I know who you are. Like he's, he knows I'm waiting for him. I go, so I start laughing and he goes, dude, he goes, I know who you are. He goes, I know you want to talk to me and I will, but he goes, he goes, your stuff. Like, I watch all of it. I watch all your videos, man. I watch it. Yeah. I'm like, cool, Jedi. Like, yeah. that's cool. You're also close buddies with the Jets GM, Joe Douglas. Yeah. When did that relationship originate? And you both share a healthy respect for each other. What, what can you tell folks about Joe maybe they don't know? Well, I mean, Joe, you know, started off as, you know, he played football at Richmond. He got into the, you know, the business pretty quick after he graduated school. And, you know, Ozzie Newsom was running the Ravens. They, they moved there in 1996. I remember I was so fascinated by their first draft in 1996. They drafted Jonathan Ogden and Ray Lewis in the first round. Okay. I mean, two. Now, nobody knew in 1996 that they were going to both be Hall of Fame players. Right. Yeah. But I remember, like, I was just getting started in 1996. So and I remember. Joe, Joe started in 2000. Yep. So, but I mean, I, but I, what happened was I went down to Baltimore just to watch their minicamp just to watch Ray Lewis and Jonathan Ogden. Like, who are – so I just wanted to get to know him. And then I did, I did the Tony Siragusa show in 1997, and then the Ravens hired me in, like, 98, 99, like, to do the pregame show, like, the pregame – but preseason games on yeah, TV. Yeah, yeah. So I was, like – I always was kind of a part of the organization. So I knew Brian Billick and Ozzie, and then, you know, then you start to meet some of the scouts. So Joe's down there, and then my buddy Andy Weidel went to work there. And so, like, you're in Baltimore preseason – regular season game, like they're your buddies, like you've known them since the beginning, you know? And so I just had this relationship with them. And, you know, he's 2012, they win the Super Bowl. And, you know, it's the, it's the crowning jewel, you know, of this entire industry to be a part of that. And, you know, and see Joe, how he worked up from the lowest level scout, all right, into scouting director to assist going to Chicago, assistant GM, coming to the Eagles, becoming the general manager. Like all those, just to see him, climb the steps and earn all of it. And then he gets the chance here. 
you know, and so you kind of know what he's about through all the, how he's been trained, all the different stops and all of the conversations that I've had with Joe over the years about personnel, both pro and kids coming out of college and just cross checking. I mean, there was a time, you know, when he was with the Eagles, I mean, I sat, we sat in the backyard cooking steaks and smoking cigars and literally doing nothing but just talking ball. Like not like, I mean, he's got three kids and they're all grown up and all that stuff. But we sat in the backyard till late at night, turning the phones off and just talking football. You know, like we, we have that sort of, you know, bond and respect. You do. Yeah. Both former offensive linemen. And both both, both linemen too. When did you get involved in the communication industry? We talked about your career a little bit, but, uh, Play collegially at Duke. Mm-hmm. You were in the NFL for a little bit. And then how, when did you make the transition? So I was in my 12th year. I was in Philly. And I had a former teammate of mine, this quarterback, Tom Ramsey, said that Craig James, who was at ESPN at the time, mm-hmm. pretty big guy in the college game day for him, he was starting a broadcast school for active players. So it was were like. you yeah. always go with the media when you were I was good with the media. Yeah. I, like I loved, like I never, I never, win or lose, played well, played bad. You were a go to guy in that. I, I'll tell you what I know. Yeah. You know, like I didn't, I wasn't shy about it. I enjoyed talking to the media. Um, and I had a Monday night show for a while, you know, from different couples, different cities, whatever. But so I went to this broadcast school and it was for current players. So I was still active trying to play another year. And Mike Golick was there and Merrill Hodge was there. And like it was, you know, it was all these guys that kind of, we all started together. And uh, we went to school, and, like, the light just went on. I didn't know how to really do it, but, I mean, I started my radio show. I started doing pregame shows in Philly. And then I – but I wanted to do games. And I got a chance in 1997 with Fox to do uh, games over in Europe, NFL Europe. Me and Kurt Menefee started over there. Sure. And, uh, and then they ended up – I did college football the first year. And second year, me and Kurt Menefee were the sixth crew at Fox. You know, we started doing games and worked up to Joe Buck and – Dick Stockton and, you know, Kenny Albert and all the guys there for a dozen years. It was great. You, you know what I like a lot, Baldy? I like uh, – I don't know when you decided to do this, but when you took Baldy breakdowns off of football because sometimes you're in somewhere yeah. extravagant in warm weather and you still do the Baldy breakdown. I think it's hilarious. Yeah. Well, I do it's, – it's all tongue-in-cheek, right? Yeah. So it's like, you know, I mean, I go to Costa Rica every year. I go to Hawaii every year. So, um, you know, I'm a traveler. So I've been to 66 countries, you know, 66, 66 countries. I was in Poland this summer. So if you're, you know, if you're looking, you know, if you're in Costa Rica and it's just a great surf day, people need to know the surf day, the surf (laughs) conditions and just how somebody's inside that barrel and coming out of it. Right. EA, like, I mean, people need to see that. There's a point at stories too. Like, yes, it can't like anybody. You you went to Poland and and you're taking it to social media and telling people how impactful that was on you to see a concentration. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, when you go, when you see, you know, all these, what, what happened and you see the level of evil, like it, you know, people need to know just how evil it was Mm -hmm. and why there is still a reaction to that whole era of what happened there in, you know, Germany and some of the other countries that were involved. I mean, like you go to Normandy and you see that those beachheads there at Point Duhok and stuff. I mean, people need to know what, uh, what people sacrificed, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, you know, it's, I don't get political about things, but there's a history to certain things. And so um, I think all that stuff is interesting because quite frankly, anybody could talk about cover two. Yeah. But like, you know, can you talk about the Normandy invasion? Can you talk about what happened in some of these concentration camps? Can you talk about the surf report in Costa Rica? 
at yeah. sunrise. Do you have time to read? Yeah, all the time. Uh, really? Yeah, I'm addicted. Yeah, I'm addicted to. <laughs> uh, I, I have certain books and certain authors that. Um, Where you go to? Well, like uh, you know, like uh, Vince Flynn. Vince Flynn has got this uh, character named Mitch Rapp. So Mitch Rapp, he's written 16 books, and you know he's a counter terrorist worker for the CIA. And there's nothing that Mitch Rapp can't do. Like, he's the greatest character in every book right now. And then Daniel Silva's got a he's, – he's a crime novelist, and he has a character named Gabriel Alon, okay, who works for uh, Israeli Secret Service. But he's also a art restorer by trade. And this guy is the most coveted yet most hunted person in the world. And he escapes danger everywhere in the world. And he takes you all over these so places. I, I, so I'm jumping on a plane, and Greens and I are walking past you. Is Baldy watching film with the headphones, or are you reading a book? I mean, I'm doing one or the other. Okay. Like, I, I, I did a game in San Francisco, San Francisco-Pittsburgh last week. And so I took the red eye back to Philly. So I was in the San Francisco airport, and I got the NFL films to download or upload all the 1 o'clock games for me. So I literally watched five hours of film coming back to Philly. So you land at 5.30 in the morning, and I'm like, man, I want to take a nap. But if I take a nap, it's just going to ruin what I got going on here. So I just went – I just oh took a big God. pot of coffee and just you're, went straight through the day. tank. Yeah. That, that's amazing. Yeah. How many ounces of coffee a day would you say? Well, I mean – I know it depends on the day. It depends on the day, yeah. But, like, you know, if I get, if I get six or seven hours of sleep, I'm – you know, two cups, I'm fine. But if you, if you go with no sleep, I can't sleep on a plane. So if you watch I five hours. Either. I, yeah. I got to think, weekends, you're not getting a lot of sleep. No. Because you're going back and forth from L.A. to Philly all the time. Going back out there to do the Rams game this weekend. And I'll go over to the NFL Network after the game. I'll start watching the 1 o'clock games. And then I got a bunch of shows, NFL Now and Total Access to do on Monday at the NFL Network. But those shows, I'm only good in those shows if I've really prepped and know what I'm talking about. Like I remember the first week of the season, Green Bay – beat Chicago on Thursday night. So Friday, I'm doing total access in L.A., and I got to get to Lubbock for a Texas Tech home opener the next day. But um, but on that in that game, the, the thing that stood out about Green Bay is they played a dime defense the whole day. So they had one linebacker, Blake Martinez, and they basically challenged Chicago to run him out of that dime defense, put another linebacker on the field, put another defensive lineman on the field, and Chicago didn't do it. And I said, you know, Chicago – Shame on them. Like, they should have pounded Green Bay that night, and they didn't. They tried to play all this perimeter offense and all these fancy plays, and I'm like, they played in Green Bay's hands. That's why they couldn't score a touchdown. But, like, if you can bring that and show that the NFL Network the next day, that, hey, look, I mean, nobody really knows what a dime defense is. If you could teach the dime defense and then why they played it and why it benefited them, that's a good part of what the story was. But you only get that if you watch it. So I want to go back to the books for a minute here. Because you like, it seems to me you like crime novels, anything crime related. I got hooked on that, but I mean, I, I I'm I'm a reader, so. So are you, are you a movie person? If I have time, I mean, I I know people that can recite lines right to every single dumb oh, and not, dumber. I, yeah, like I mean, no. I just no, no. like I can't do that. No, but like, do you enjoy yes, crime movies similar yeah. to the books? Well, the books are always better. Like if you take uh, a John Grisham, like Tales, right? So okay. I've read almost all of John Grisham's books. But if you take, say, um, a Pelican Brief yeah. and you, you know, plug in and out, like you can't, th- those books never transcribe to a movie because 
they move so fast yeah. that the, the movie really can't show the speed. Can't do it, John. It can't. You know, The Firm, right? The Firm was the great first great book, John. And they made it into a movie, and it was a bad movie. Well, <laughs> I enjoyed The Firm, but I didn't read the book. Yeah. See, the book, no. there's, very few, there's very few movies that are better than the books. Like, Jaws the movie is better than Peter Benchley's Jaws the book. But that's one of the. So somebody recently told me that American Psycho, the movie, better than the book. But I've never read the he book. He keeps on bringing up American Psycho. This is the first time I've seen it. I've yeah. No, so. I mean, like if you've never seen the movie before, and it's fresh in your mind. Yeah. It's fresh in your mind. All right, so uh, folks, uh, see it on TV, and, and uh, you know, for those of watching at home, everybody asks about the finger. What's the story behind the butt? Is there something wrong? No. Yeah. We all got the same hands. We, yeah, you know? I mean, like some. <laughs> What's the story? Well, I still have 10 fingers. Uh, you know, I mean, this thing. The, the pinky. The baldy's pinky. I mean, look, it's, it pinky. is. It is. Hashtag. It is world famous. Yes. People yes. do want to see the pinky. They want pictures with it. They want to see it. They want to try to fix it. Um, it happened uh, in training camp when I was with the Cowboys. My second year with the Cowboys. So I'd been on the team. Um, we were a team that was dominated by our defensive line. Randy White. Too Tall Jones, Harvey Martin. We were dominated by our defensive line. So in the locker room, they dominated the team. So it ran through them. So when you – so when this got jerked, like I got this hand caught in Randy White's jersey, <laughs> and it got ripped out. Yeah. So the, yeah. the finger was dangling, and I was – and I screamed. Like, I mean, I so, – now the defensive line thought I, I, I screamed like a little schoolgirl, you know, <laughs> that got kicked. But, I mean, you know, that's that's fair. So, um, anyways, but I they still be screaming. they 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 went and they taped it together, yeah. you know. And I went back out to practice, and I taped it like that for the rest of my career. Now, when I walked into the cafeteria after practice, there was a defensive line in the front row as you come down the steps to the cafeteria to get your food. And as they saw me, they stood up in unison and they all went wah wah like they imitated <laughs> me on the field. And so I felt like, oh God, here I go, I'm getting abused. And then, like, in unison, they all held up their hands. And they all had crooked fingers. And they're like, Baldy, we just want to let you know, join the club. You know? And so I'm like, all right, I joined the club that day. So you were part of the fraternity? I, I joined the fraternity just like that. You decided right there in Dallas that you were never going to be the same. This was part of who you were. I, I mean, you know, look, you're a young guy. You're in your second year. Yeah. You haven't really done anything. And, uh, and, and the defense line is sort of taking you into their fraternity. That's a big deal. For a young right. player. Now, it's a little bit different now. There was a lot of hazing back then. There was like, there was a, yeah, a rights to becoming yeah. a veteran. But but no aspirations to try to fix it? Or it's just too, too lost of a cause at this point? So, Ethan, here's the deal. It's like, there are a lot of people, like, for example, I used to play in this, uh, I used to play in a winter basketball league with, with Roger Staubach. We were in the same team. Hoops, yeah. So, I remember Roger had a finger, he has a finger just like mine. Mm-hmm. It's, on this, it, it's on his other hand. It wasn't on his throwing hand. So Roger was a uh, he was a great athlete, um, but he loved basketball. Like he was he was a uh, a ball hog, you know, quite frankly. So uh, you know he loved to shoot. And so one one year we we're, we're you know we were friends and we were teammates. Of course, this basketball got to put it up all the time. It's a quarterback, and I mean they're all the same. So um, I remember one year we were like looking at each other's fingers, and he goes, "I'm getting mine fixed, Baldy." I'm like, "Get out of here! You can't fix that." He goes, "No, I'm going in there. I'm getting it fixed." My wife has, like, been on me about it. you got to get it fixed. You're a public figure. You wear these suits. You look stupid. Like, so he goes to get this thing operated on. And they, they put it in a splint. And they said, okay, nothing for six weeks. Well, 
Tell Roger to do nothing for six weeks is impossible. So the next week, the week after, he's out there with the splint on his finger, oh and the ball God. hits the splint. The splint flies off. The finger goes back to where it was, and he was like, I knew it was a worthless cause. <laughs> so when I saw Starbuck, he couldn't get his fix. I'm like, nah, I ain't going to get mine fixed. All right. So uh, we started off talking about wardrobes here in the Baldy Breakdown T-shirt, but we've added uh, Ethan Greenberg to the sax crew. Oh, year. yeah, it's he, true. He, he met uh, on Team Sax. He's on Team Sax. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. B- Billy Wynn. We went in the city oh, you did? the other day. Yeah, oh, yeah. wow. No oh, kidding. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going there for a fitting on uh, Friday. Yeah. yeah. All right. It, it, like, I'm telling you this. I, I've worn a, a lot of uh, tailored suits for a long time, even since I played and all the way through my television career. And then I met Bill Wynn at Saks and Big Daddy and the whole group. And I wear these suits now. I swear it's the most unbelievable thing. Everywhere I go, I get stopped. Like I, in fact, I, I, I went, I, I, I ran into, um, well, it, it doesn't really matter. At the NFL Network, there's, there's nobody that can come close to dressing like me. Nobody. Nobody's suits <laughs> look as good as, as mine do. And it's, it's now the players on the field Sundays or Saturdays, they come up and they're like, dude, like, do you have any suits that don't or that just aren't like you look great in every suit? You like, know, you got players. it going on again. When, when players, players yeah. when players, because the yeah. players, every player is a fashion police. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Right. I mean, they, 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 they get on a plane. Yeah. You get on a plane with them. You're taking a trip. Oh. Like if the fashion police yeah. are out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's guys, there's chicken wings right. and there's fashion police yeah. on every flight I've ever oh, been on. Right. God. So, like, everybody is looking at everybody and judging them. And, you know, some guys can dress, and then some guys think they can dress, mm-hmm. and you know they can't. So, I don't have that worry at all anymore. I know that I look good. Yeah, you're going out with confidence. Confidence. If you got sex on, no doubt about it. And you're right about that feeling of jumping on the plane, because some guys you look at and say, is he just trying to make a statement? Is yeah. he trying to be loud? Or is that like a fashion forward? Because it's almost like a runway model sometimes. Where no, no you, pun intended, literally. Yeah, you, you see these, you know, you see people on the runway sometimes. And you're like, oh. The biggest clothes horse I've ever met in this whole industry was Irving Fryer. Oh, yeah? Irving Fryer, you know, was the number one pick in the, in, the, in the league out of Nebraska. You know, and he came to the Eagles in free agency. And, and I, we were doing a show together, so that's how I – and he never wore the same suit twice, which is almost impossible. I heard the same but he thing did. about uh, Larry Fitzgerald, that he'd have one suit for travel, one suit for game day, and throughout oh, his oh, career. Two, but, so two suits in every trip. Correct. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's a lot of suits. That's a lot of suits. I, I hope you donate some of those. To <laughs> yeah, charity, I hope you know? so, too. Yeah, I, that's a lot. Yeah. All right. Well, before we let you go here, I want to know, you said you've been to 66 countries. Yeah. Top and bottom of that list. Well, I mean, I used to go to Brazil. I had a friend of mine. He's still one of my best friends, but he was an, ex- an exchange student in Brazil when he was in high school. He was a soccer player. So he lived with six families in Brazil. So I used to go down to Brazil with him all the time. And I, my brother was going down with me. I went down for carnival. So I've been to Brazil nine times. Now, they like Brazil is sort of – it's not a third-world country by any stretch. But when I first started going there, it, was, it had a little a lot of that element yeah, to it, and it was fun. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Like, there's stuff that we did – in the trouble we got into, like, you really can't do that anymore. But I was young and, and stupid. So I, I always love Brazil. I go to Costa Rica every year. I love Costa Rica. I go to a certain section of Costa Rica I really like. Um, I, I lived in Italy. Uh, you know, you can drop me in the – there's 23 states in Italy. Put me in any of the states. Lazio, doesn't matter. I, I, Basilicata, 
Um, it doesn't really matter. You put me anywhere in Italy, I'm fine. I can speak the language. I'm good. Um, I lived in London doing NFL Europe games. I lived in Amsterdam. I lived in Barcelona. Um, all those places are fantastic. I go to any of those. Um, there's some hidden jewels out there, like Scotland's just an awesome place. I'm just you can't have a bad time in Scotland. Uh, everybody plays golf. Um, their courses are impeccable, and they like golf when the weather's at the worst. Yeah. Because that's when they think that you really learn how to play. Huh. So I think you, you know, you could go east, you could go south, you could go west. I mean, I don't know. I've had a good time climbing Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania. You know, it's this great memories all over. Well, there's so much we could talk to you about, and we should have you on later. This year, and we could just do a, a little travel podcast. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I oh, I'd love to do easy. that. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to do that. All right, that's next episode when you come back on. Promise me. Uh, uh, I, you got I, got a deal. Re- I got a request, though. We're all going to wear a sack, but uh, I want a baldy. Brand a headband? Sw- no, a headband and a sweatshirt. Do you guys do a hooded sweatshirt yet or not? We we, we, we we haven't done it yet, but we just got started last yeah, week. Well, we, <laughs> this well, is like a week old. Let's, let's transition. Okay. Like, I've heard, like, girls want a V-neck. Yeah. You know, T-shirt. I've got the hoodies coming. Right. Like, I, yeah. I, you know, we're I'll, just we're I'll, just taking this kind of slow here, EA. Yeah. But I would say <laughs> that by the next time you have me on this podcast, yeah. that we'll all be in hoodies. Yeah, yeah, and okay. I'll wear the headband. Yeah, I was gonna say hoodies or headbands. Travel. Podcast. I'm a headband guy to begin with, so yeah. it, it just fits me. All right. Well, that's all we got here on the official Jets podcast here in the Play MGM Studios. Again, NewYorkJets.com, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. And SoundCloud, Baldy, thanks a lot, and we'll see you soon. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we talked so much about football here. That was great, too.